0: reformed church abraham in his life it's a really really interesting thing because um, probably years ago i wouldn't have told you even though i had heard before that abraham was like the father right of like a father of the church um, but but i didn't really i had heard that i didn't really know exactly why that was um, and and, and a lot of the things about Abraham, to me, were just, like like a lot of Christians, the way they interpret today the Old Testament, is just like, you know, it's not something you really have to read a lot, you know, because it really doesn't matter anymore. You know, the, the New Testament is where we're living today. But the funny thing is, is that the New Testament is really just, what, what it's doing is, it's, it, it's really explaining, right, the Old Testament. The, the Old Testament, uh, obviously, much of what you see, a lot of what you see was hidden in, in shadows and in figures, uh, but all of the prophecy, right, that you, that you read in the Old Testament, the prophecies of, of Isaiah and, and Jeremiah and, and, and Micah and Amos, right, and all of the prophets, right, of the Old Testament were all prophesying to the same group of people, right, which is a very interesting thing, right, that all of these prophets, it's not like they were prophesying to the world, right, they were prophesying to a very select cultural group of people right they were prophesying to the jewish nation right and, and that's why it's said that you know that the oracles of god or that the word of god was first given to the jews right uh jesus came obviously and he was born a jew so so the the jewish nation they were given the first opportunity to be able to believe in jesus so you know i i really you know it it, it wasn't really until we began to understand you know where the where the lord says that uh that the same gospel that was preached to us was preached to them right hebrews talks about that i think it's like in three or four chapter three or four but it talks about how the same gospel that is preached to us today which we know the gospel that's preached to us today right the 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 gospel of the good news about what jesus christ came to do but you wouldn't have thought that that's really the gospel that they were being taught but when you begin to see, you know, what, what do all these symbols mean? What, what was the shadow of the tabernacle and the temple and, right, like all of this stuff wasn't just even just testifying of Jesus, but was testifying about Jesus and the glory that would follow, all right, within the church, in other words, the nations. So, so even though, yeah, the gospel was given to the Jewish nation, they, they did hear repeatedly about how the Gentiles, right, the nations, Would believe, right? Um, And and Abraham, his example is just—it's just really, really interesting to read a lot of the things that the Lord was teaching him because Abraham obviously is in the book of Genesis. That's really early, right after creation. It's very, very early on. Um, I don't know right now in history, you know, where that's placed. Like how many years after after Adam was Abraham, right? But but it's an interesting thing to note just how how it is that that you know. How, where he falls like so early on in the faith that he developed and, um, and the things that he learned from the Lord. So in, I wanted to show you this in Genesis, no, sorry, in, in, um, in Romans, and we'll go to Genesis in a second, but in Romans chapter 4, Romans chapter 4, um, in, in Romans chapter 4, the Lord begins to talk about the, the promise that was made to Abraham um, for his inheritance, that he would inherit the, the earth, right? And, and later on in, in, in chapter 4, it begins to talk about an interesting period in history, right? The time between uh, Adam and Moses, right? That's a very interesting time. That, that is a time before the law was given, right? The, the, the Bible says that through the law, the law of Moses, that is, right, the Ten Commandments, through the law is a knowledge of sin, right so so as you when the law was given that was given so that the people would have clear knowledge of sin which would bring guilt and condemnation right like in other words when you when you see that the law of god says you know honor your father and mother or do not covet and you do you feel guilty right you're 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 being lawless right you're breaking the law so so the law was given, right, and through the law is the knowledge of sin. Like God is not mincing words there, right? If you live by the law, you're going to live by the knowledge of your inability, right, constantly, constantly. Um, um, but, but Abraham, obviously, between the time of Adam and Moses, there was no, right, the law of Moses was not given on Sinai, right? But, but it's an interesting fact that the minute... You know, you, you know that there is a law at work in the world that the Lord talks about that is the law of sin and death, right? Um, but, and you say, well, how could there be sin if there wasn't a law, right? Like if people did not grow, the, the, if the knowledge of sin was not so apparent to people, how, how, could, how could there be sin and death, right? Um, and it's interesting because the Lord says that, that in that time between Adam and Moses, the Lord was not imputing the sins of men against them right? Because men, it says, even though men had not uh, transgressed, right, or sinned according to the sin of Abraham, in other words, in, uh, according to the sin of Adam, sorry. So, so Adam was given a command of the Lord, right? You, you, you will not do this, right? You, you will not eat of the tree in the garden. You will not do this, you, right? And he broke that command of god right so obviously breaking a command of god makes you a transgressor a transgressor to the law of god right he the lord told them don't do it and he did it right now after that after that sin after sin had come into the world through the sin of adam there, there was no other commandment given by god right the the lord wasn't telling people you know don't eat of this tree or don't eat of that tree so between the time of adam and moses there was no law given so even though people had not sinned in the same regard as Adam, it does say though, and I'll bring you here to uh, Romans chapter four, and what verse am I looking at here? Um, verse number twelve. So that's Romans four twelve. Uh, sorry, five twelve. Forgive me, <laughs> Romans five twelve. Right. says wherefore as by one man and then we're we're reading from king james yep good okay wherefore as by one man sin entered into the world that's through adam right through adam sin entered into the world and death by sin now that's an important thing to understand right it wasn't just that adam sinned and that's it and god told him you know i'm mad at you right but that when sin came into the world there a law like in other words law is, is it's an interesting thing right law is not law is not flexible right law is just a law and if you break it you're a transgressor right it, it's just you know like uh, the, the uh, sometimes you know men's laws you know people kind of talk about like there's a law and they're like men to be broken but but i mean that just shows men's inability to keep law whether they're the law of the god or the law of the state right men break laws men break laws all the time even so-called law abiding citizens break the law right they do stuff when people aren't looking, right? They, they, they cheat on their taxes. They do all kinds of stuff. Oh, just a little bit. Listen, the law doesn't care. <laughs> if you break the law a little bit or you break the law this much, right, you're still a transgressor to a law, right? You're breaking the law. So, so, uh, so when, when, when sin came into the world, sin, uh, sin and death, right, which is a law, right, the law of sin and death began working in the world. So that means that because of the sin of Adam, death would reign so that means that people obviously would begin to die right people would not live on people would not live on eternally but people would die it says wherefore as by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin and so death passed uh, upon all men for all have sinned right so even though there was not a uh, uh, another command given of God beside the command that he gave to Adam men were still sinning right men were still doing wrong According to God, right? God is the one who determines this is right, this is wrong. So even though God had not given a commandment, He it was clear to God. It's not like men weren't sinning between the time of Adam and Moses. Men were definitely sinning, right? Men continued to sin, um, and you see in Abraham's life, obviously, even in the just in what's written, you can tell he didn't do everything perfect, right? He lied. He 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 allowed he, he allowed uh, his wife to be taken by a king, right? To do whatever he wanted to her just because of fear in his own life, right? So so there was definitely sin. sin Sin was in the world, but God wasn't imputing the sin of the world against them, right? And, and then, um, so it says, for all, for all have sinned, in verse number 12. Verse 13 says, for until the law, it says, for until the law, which is the law of Moses, until that time between Adam and Moses, uh, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed where there is no law. Verse 14, though, says, nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude or the likeness of Adam's transgression, right? So, so in other words, sin came into the world, and even though there wasn't a, a specific commandment that people were breaking, a specific commandment of God that people were breaking, yet it says sin, uh, sin was in the world and death reigned. Um, now, now there's, an, there's an interesting thing, right, with, um, that begins that you know about abraham and and some of this you know um there are very concrete things that i can show you and other things with this right we 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 will continue to learn and we'll continue to grow in this but one of the things that you do see is uh abraham was called to come out of the earth the chaldeans right he was called out by the lord and and you can tell from the things that are written in scripture right and there's probably too many specific little examples to go through right you, you can tell that death was a known thing, right? Like Abraham saw with his physical eyes, he saw death. Abraham with his physical eyes and with his carnal mind, right? He, he knew that something was going on with his body, right? Because he knew that he was at an age, right? That he had gotten to an age where his body stopped working and that his wife's reproductive system stopped working, right? So stuff like that, it's not like they were oblivious to the fact that death was in the world and death was reigning. They could see death, right? They saw Abraham's father died, right? So he he knew of death in the world, right? He knew of death in the world. Now th- there is now here is the part that I, you know, just I'm, I'm making a couple of assumptions with different scriptures, right? But I it there, it is possible, right? That sin was not very prevalently. Maybe talk to, in other words, transgression against the law of God or against something that the Lord has said or being trans or sinning against God may not have been a thing in Abraham's time that was so talked about, right? Because obviously the Lord gave the law for a reason, right? He gave the law so that through the law could come the knowledge of sin. In other words, there was there was something that was missing in the minds of people where maybe maybe and this is some assumptions I'm making, right? Maybe they didn't think themselves to be very sinful. Maybe they didn't think themselves to be very bad. Maybe their sin was not something that was very prevalent in their lives and they just kind of did whatever they felt right but the truth is that as far as God is concerned though right they were they, they were sinners he said for all had sinned he said right all had sinned even from Adam all the way through Moses right they, they were doing things that were wrong in their lives right um, but it does say that death reigned right now there's something that happens in the mind of Abraham right that he begins to seek the Lord now, now, here's the thing that I want to try to see if we can bring some correction in our hearts and in our minds to, right? that the, the ongoing narrative with Abraham is just that, you know what? I want to have a son, and I just look to God, and I pray to you, Lord, can I have a son? And then the Lord said, yes, but you have to believe that you're going to have a son, and then he did. Like, that is such a lame, contradictory, um, unintelligent way to look at the example of abraham like what why are the things that god wrote about abraham not testifying about jesus like all other scripture does like like is that really what we're supposed to get out of abraham's life that he wanted a son and he asked god for one and god said okay and he had one and then you know what he took his son up on a mountain to sacrifice his son and then god stopped him and then and then he. Isaac's life, and they live happily ever after, right? And they rode off into the sunset, right? Like, there was something that happened with Abraham that he was seeking the Lord. And the seeking that he had of the Lord was not just, I want a son, right? Because you don't, you don't, ask, you don't ask God, Lord, I want to have a son, and he says yes, and then God makes you righteous, right? Because in the old testament and and I'll show you and in the in the new testament you see clearly that says that Ab- that that Abraham's faith was was accounted unto him for righteousness in other words there was something that Abraham believed that God that God accounted or imputed in other words he he laid upon him his own righteousness right he made him righteous a righteous man and 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 so so what what is it that happened between the time that Abraham started seeking the Lord, and 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 the time that the Lord imputed righteousness unto him, like what was it that he was believing, right? What was it that he was believing in in um, in Genesis? If we can go there real quick. Uh, Genesis in chapter fifteen. Um, Genesis chapter fifteen is right exactly after. Um, lot is taken away right lot is uh, abraham's nephew if i'm not mistaken the relationship there is nephew so lot is abraham's nephew and and the lord uh abraham you know begins to he he's he's seeking the lord and he wants to know you know what what am i going to do like Lot's been taken and he he brings together i believe it was all the servants that were born in his house in other words he takes all the men within his household that were of fighting age right And he has enough people in his own household. So you can see how the Lord prospered Abraham uh, and how he was prospering him. He took only the the men that were a fighting age. And he had enough men to go against, in other words, to wage a war against a nation that had taken Lot. Um, So so somebody came and had abducted Lot, for lack of a better word, right? Uh, Abraham takes the men in his household, goes, rescues Lot. And, and right as he's coming back, uh, Melchizedek, who is, a, who is a picture of Jesus, right? Melchizedek, uh, who is called also the king of Salem, he comes to him and he gives him bread and wine, right? Obviously a clear picture, right, of, of the death of Jesus Christ, right? He gives him bread and he gives him wine. And, and, um, and he blesses him. So so obviously that in itself is an extremely interesting thing right that the lord begins to show Abraham I mean he didn't just give him bread and wine because he was trying to be nice right he gives him bread and wine as a symbol like in other words Jesus came according according in the same uh, priesthood as Melchizedek like Melchizedek was a priest of god most high so the things that Melchizedek all right as a figure in that time was doing was testifying about Jesus Christ. His his priesthood was not just to keep um, some kind of Jewish custom, right? His priesthood was not just to uh, to do some kind of worldly, uh, to keep some kind of worldly tradition, but Melchizedek's role was to testify about Jesus Christ. And he, on purpose, came and blessed Abraham, right? And and but first, right, he brings him bread and wine. So the Lord is trying to teach Abraham and get him to understand and to see. Right, that there, there is for for the death that is reigning in the world, and the death that he sees reigning in his own body, there is a savior that will come and deliver you from that death by delivering you from the sin that is causing death in the world. Right. So, in other words, it's not just that he learned that Abraham was learning that that, that the Lord's gonna make me well, but he had to come to a place where he understood that the cause of that death was sin, right? The cause of that death was sin. So the Lord has been teaching him, right? He brings him bread and wine. And, and, and these are things that I believe with all my heart that are going on in the mind of Abraham, that the Lord is trying to get him to understand, to teach him through these figures and through these things. And, and all that is happening in, in, in Genesis chapter 14. And then in, in, verse, in chapter 15, in verse number 1, it says that after these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram. And, and, and sorry, I did leave out just one little thing. One of the other things that happened here is that uh, he does, the, 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 the kings that were with him that were very grateful, right? Not only did Abraham rescue Lot, his nephew, but he also bought out the riches that these armies had stolen from like. Like Sodom, in other words, he was, Lot was abducted from there, but it's not just that they took people, it's that they took all their riches, right? They plundered those cities. So the kings of those cities were very grateful, right? It's great, you know, you rescued Lot, but thank you for bringing back all our stuff, right? So, so they wanted to give him, right, to, to give him of that, and, and he refused to take it. He said, you know what, he doesn't want any man to say by, that by their giving, they had made Abram rich, um, so he, he refused it. Um, and in verse number 15, then, uh, chapter 15, verse number 1, it says, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, fear not, Abram, I am your shield and your exceeding great reward. Now, th- th- there's a lot there in, in just the Lord saying that to him. But first, Melchizedek comes with bread and wine, right, which are a picture of the body, the, the blood of Jesus Christ, right? The body and the blood of Jesus Christ that were given for us. Um, and, and then right after that, the Lord speaks to him and says to him, I am your shield and I am your exceeding great reward. Now, why is the Lord a reward to us? Like, what's he rewarding? Right? Like, is it, was he rewarding Abraham's work? Like, was God rewarding him, saying, I am your reward because, you know, Abraham, you know, or Abram at this point went out and rescued Lot? Was the reward because Abraham, you know, God told him, do it, and he went and did it? Was it because Abram um, believed that God would give him the power to, to rescue Lot? Like, what, what was it that Abraham believed or did that would cause God to look at a man upon the earth and say to him, I am your reward, right? God is, he's, he's, he's pointing at someone, at an individual, at a man, right? And he's saying to him, I am your, your shield, like the God of all the universe is looking at this man and saying, I am your shield, and I am your exceeding great reward. Like, what is he rewarding, right? What, what, what was it that Abram was being rewarded for? And it says, um, right after the Lord told him that, Abram said, and you can tell kind of, right, like I said, we're, we're making some assumptions, but I, I don't think I'm reading too much into this, right? I think... You can, you can see that something is going on in Abram's mind from the response that he, the way he responds in verse number two. Because the Lord tells him, I'm your shield, I'm your exceeding great reward. And all he can think about is the fact that his body's dying. Right? Because he says in verse number two, and Abram said, Lord God, uh, what will you give me seeing that I go childless? In other words, I don't have a son. Right? Seeing as I go childless and the steward of my house is this Eliezer of Damascus. In other words, he's saying the, the one that's going to get all my stuff and my inheritance is, is a servant to, born into my home. I don't even have an heir. Like, like in other words, like, that's great. In other words, what you're telling me, you're my shield. You're my exceeding great reward. But I'm missing something because I, I can't even have a son right so 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 obviously there are things you know just like it happens in our lives the lord is testifying about jesus and had been testifying about jesus to us for years and years and it takes us that are very thick hearted right at the beginning it takes us a while to be able to get it right you, you don't just, you know, the Lord just doesn't say how good he is, and you're like, oh, come on, Jesus, and you get saved, right? You, you, you fight it, right, in your mind. You, you think it's ridiculous. It sounds foolish, right, which is the way the gospel sounds to anyone that doesn't know him, right? The gospel doesn't sound like good news initially to people. The gospel sounds like foolishness, right, to people that are of the world, right? So, so, so it says that he said, you know, he said, who's, who, you know, you've told me that you're my reward, right? You're my rewarder, but... He says, but the, stu- the steward of my house, Eliezer of Damascus, he's the one that's going to get all my stuff. And Abram said in verse number 3, behold, uh, to me you have given no seed. Right? So he's saying, you've given me no son. You've given me no seed. And lo, one born in my house is my heir. In other words, a servant bo- uh, born in his house. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, uh, this shall not be your heir. But he that shall, that shall come forth out of your own bowels shall be your heir. Now, obviously what God is talking about there is resurrection life, right? In other words, something is dying or has already died in Abraham's body and in his wife's body. It doesn't work anymore, right? And the reason, right, in case you were just wondering, right, the reason why stuff doesn't work after a time is not because of just aging. Aging is just another word for death, Right? In other words, corruption. Things corrupt and then they die, right? That's, how, that's, that's the way the stuff in the world works, right? Things age, they corrupt, right? If you got a car, it rusts and it dies, right? I was just looking at the truck that I used to go to the dump and I open up the door and a piece of the truck falls off. I'm like, well, there we go. All right. So stuff just corrupts, right? It doesn't, it doesn't have to happen that way or at all in our bodies, right? And, and obviously we'll talk about that in a second. But that, that's what Abraham, Abram was seeing. He was seeing death working in his body um and then verse number four right so sorry so 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 what's happening between verse one two and three there is that the lord is telling him he's talking to him about resurrection life now you don't just the lord is not telling abram like listen don't worry i'm gonna fix you and that's it right that wasn't all that happened and you'll see reasons for that later but obviously jesus christ himself said that Abraham saw, saw him, even though he was so, so far before the birth of Christ, right? Abraham saw. In other words, if he didn't see him with his eyeballs, he saw him by faith. There's only two ways of seeing stuff, right? You either see it by faith, meaning you know it, right? You, you, or you see it with your eyes. And obviously, Abraham, Abram did not see Jesus with his eyes, right? But he did see he did see him by faith believing right in other words he saw the glory of the lord the way we see the glory of the lord he saw the church right he he rejoiced in a day he had his eyes fixed on the church that would come right even though he was actually living at that time in the promised land in the land of canaan he knew that it you know even though i'm living in the land of canaan this is not about an actual promised land right this is about this is about the church and this is about a new world right where we inherit the earth itself right but he was still so even though the inheritance of the earth the the all of it would would come in a future day right abraham or, or abram at that time right he he was beginning to understand okay i'm i'm starting to get that the one that you're talking to me about is the same messiah that my descendants will hear in other words the same gospel that was preached to us was the same gospel that was preached to abraham that's why he's called our father Right? When, when the Bible says that Abraham, our father, right, it, it, the only reason that there is any relationship there is because it's the same faith. Not because we both have faith. Because the, I'm sure there were plenty of people in the, in the Old Testament that had faith that tomorrow was going to be a bright sunny day and that they're not called our father. It's because the faith was the same faith in Jesus. Not just faith in general. People have faith in all kinds of silly things that don't amount to anything that gives them no surety at all in their life people talk in hollywood all the time about just have a little faith listen don't don't mistake stuff just because you're watching a movie and they say you know have a little faith believe me, they're not talking about faith in Jesus. They're just talking about have a little faith. Like, in other words, can't you just believe a little bit? And, and all that is is positive thinking. There's a, there's a huge leap between positive thinking and faith in Jesus, right? The majority of what people talk about faith today is, is outside of the church, right, is normally just faith in, in a circumstance, faith that it's going to be okay, right? But, but, but there's, no, there's no substance to that, right? You can't that's you're lying to yourself and lying to people that to say that tomorrow is going to be okay when that's not guaranteed to anyone tomorrow right life for tomorrow and prosperity for tomorrow is guaranteed to no one except to a christian right we are the ones that have the guarantee because our guarantee is the body and the blood of jesus christ right but nobody else has any guarantee anywhere from god right from God or from anything. And today they call God the universe. That's even stupider because the universe doesn't give two hoots about you, right? The universe is just a thing that God created, and it doesn't care. It doesn't think. It doesn't think about you. It doesn't think about you or your family, right? God does and therefore did what he did. But so today's today's people's faith is baseless, right? When a faith is not in Jesus Christ, it's just baseless lies. And people... You know, they go on lying to themselves, but obviously that's why we exist, right? To be able to teach people what it is that they should be putting their faith in because people want to believe, right? People want to have faith. Obviously, there wouldn't be such a thing as uh, motivational speakers, as people telling people just have a little faith, right, and people wanting tomorrow to be a better day, and people wanting to prosper, and people working, right, because they desire for them to prosper and their families to prosper. So people want to believe, right? We just need to tell them what the right thing to believe in is and where their surety can be, right, where their surety lies. So, uh, again, back in, um, back in chapter 15 of Genesis... Um, in verse number, let's just go to four again. Verse number four. And behold, the word of the Lord came. Actually, we hadn't read this before. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir, uh, but he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. Yeah, we had read that. Verse number five says, And he brought him, uh, brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven and tell the stars, in other words, count them, if you are able to number them, and he said to him, so shall thy seed be. So now, now he's talking to him, not just about his physical descendants. He's beginning to teach him about the, phys- the, the descendants, in other words, the church. We, we are called children of Abraham, right? We, so th- what God is teaching him about is not that you're just going to have a son, in other words, that your body's going to be made well. This goes far beyond just the resurrection life that would give life to Abraham's dying body, right? Even though that is, was definitely an effect, Right? Just like healing exists today, healing existed back then, right? You could be made well because of your faith and your knowledge of the cross. Whether it was before the cross happened or after the cross happened, faith in the same, uh, in the same sacrifice, right, works both ways and has always worked. But it said that he he told them, he told them, so shall you seed be in other words, you will have descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky, that they're innumerable, right? You can't even count them. Like the stars in the sky or like the sands on the, the sands by the sea, right? Innumerable that you can't even count. So obviously he was talking about the number of Christians and Jews, right? Jews and Gentiles that would believe, put their faith in Jesus Christ. In other words, people that would have the same faith as him. So he's just learning, right? He's in the, in the beginning stages of learning what God is teaching him about the gospel and a Messiah that's to come. And you know that that's right, right? Because Abraham continued to pass down, right, the things that he had learned. And Jacob, right, and, and Isaac and Jacob were men of faith, right? They're, they're called also, the, the, right, also our fathers. And, right, God himself calls himself the God of Abraham, isaac and jacob right so god can't be the father of anyone right god is not everyone's heavenly father because in order for god to be your father you have to be a son in other words you have to believe in the one right there's, there's no—there you know, wasn't like one method of becoming a son of God under the Old Testament. You're a child of God. You, you could be a Jew all day long, and that didn't make you a child of God, right? In order for you to be a son of God, in other words, you have to be like him. And the only way in the Old Testament and the only way in the New Testament to become a child of God is to put faith in Jesus Christ, right? There's no, there was never any other way, just that one, right? Just that one. So— um. In verse number 6, he says, and he believed the Lord, and he counted it to him for righteousness. So there, was, there were things that Abraham believed, and I'll give you a little bit more insight into what things explicitly he was believing. It wasn't just believing like Hollywood believes, like have a little faith, tomorrow's going to be okay, don't worry, you're going to have a son. It was that his question about uh, what will you give me, like, like, what will you give me that, you know, since in my house, the, the one, you, I, I still go childless, and the one that's going to inherit is, is, is the servant of my home, like, in other words, I'm, I'm dying here, right, and the Lord is the one that told them, I am your reward, right, now, you, you know, there's a verse, and I'll see if I can find it for you quickly here, and in, in, in we'll pop back to Genesis, but in, in Hebrews 11, Hebrews eleven six, 6, let me just read that to you real quick. Hebrews eleven six. 6, it says, but without faith it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God, right, he who is seeking him must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So God is a rewarder. Anyone that comes to God and puts faith in Jesus Christ, therefore, if you know the Son, you know the Father. So the knowledge of the Father comes through the knowledge of the Son. You don't get knowledge of the Father skipping jesus christ right the only way to know the father is to know the son if you know the son you know the father if you deny the father you deny the son right so you can't have one without the other the only way to know the father is to know the father through knowing the son right um and and you see that he is a rewarder right or a another word for rewarder there is remunerator in other words there's a wage there is a wage for those that seek the lord right There's a wage, just like there is a wage of sin, right? There is a wage of faith, right? In other words, if you put faith in Jesus Christ, if you believe the Lord, right, there is a gift that you receive. In other words, there is a remuneration there. There is something that God gives you, right? And in Abraham's case, in in verse number 6, he says, and he believed in the Lord, and he counted it, to him for righteousness in other words abram abram was made righteous he was made righteous. he wasn't righteous before and now he's made righteous right he's made righteous and he says um and he said unto him in verse number seven i am the lord that brought you out of the earth of the chaldees uh, to give uh to give uh, thee this land to inherit it and he said lord god whereby shall i know that i shall inherit it and i'm not going to go through all of this but you see he asked now the lord how can i be sure like what is my surety like I, I i'm believing you lord right and you've made me righteous but now lord what is my surety that i know that i'll that i'll receive like where where is the surety Of my covenant with you like where is it and that's the same thing that the church ought to be asking itself today when we get off track and we start looking for different ways that God blesses us and different things supposedly quote-unquote that we do that move heaven right we should see what what is the one thing that gives us surety right because the works of men are not a surety right because men do stuff right one day and then they do wrong the very next day so if it was up to us, we would have something and then we'd lose it, right? We would have it and then we'd lose it and we'd have it and then we'd lose it. So it can't be dependent on us, right? The first covenant showed that clearly. The law of Moses showed that clearly. In, in order for a man to be said, for God to look at a single man like he looked at Abraham and said and say to that man, you are righteous, right? That, that person has to earn that righteousness through the law. And, and the Lord tells us clearly, right, that it is clear that through the law, no man can be justified. Impossible. Men cannot be justified through the law. So, so And the reason why men can't be justified through the law is because the weakness of the law is the flesh of men. And as far as I know, every single man has flesh, right? And so you're wearing and you have, you possess the very weakness that is going to make, it, make you unable to keep that covenant, right? So, so, so God knew, right, it's, it's impossible. They will not be able to keep it. So what was the surety of Abraham? That's what he was asking. Like, Lord, what is my surety, right? What's my surety? And he said to him in verse number 8, and he said, Lord God, whereby shall I know that I shall inherit it? And he said unto him, take me a heifer of three years old and a she-goat of three years old and a ram of three years old and a turtle dove and a young pigeon. And he took unto him all these and he divided them in the midst and he laid each piece against another. So the Lord began to teach him, right, through through the figure in these sacrifices, right, that that Christ was to be his surety, that Christ is the way, right, that we came in, we were talking just a couple of services ago about about how the priesthood entered, right, the high priest entered from the first tabernacle into the second tabernacle through the veil, right, and that veil represents the flesh of Jesus Christ, and that us passing from from the first tabernacle into the new tabernacle was entering, right, from one covenant into a new covenant that God would make with his people, right, and that new covenant was completely based on Jesus Christ and not, by, not according to the works of men that were represented in that first tabernacle, right? The, the covenant that we have with God, and I pray to God that the church could hear this around the world and that we would hear it and allow the Spirit of God to teach you, right? The covenant you are in today has nothing to do with any work that you could ever do or have ever done. It ne- has nothing to do with you. Nothing. God had to cut us out completely out of the equation in order to make us righteous. There was none that were good before or after Adam, right? Well, there was nobody before Adam, but there were none that were good, right? When sin came into the world, he said, all have sinned and all have fallen short of the glory of God. And it doesn't matter, right, today if Jesus Christ is not your Lord, do not think about yourself that you're a good person. You are not. As far as God is concerned, apart from Jesus, there are none that are good he had to make us good. We weren't born good, we were born bad. David said, in sin I was born, right? In sin I was born. I was born into this world in sin, right? And, and that's the same way all of us were born. We were born with a nature, right? It wasn't our fault, right? You, you, you didn't sin before you were born, you were just born with sin, right? So it's not shocking when people do stuff wrong, I mean, that's why, that's why they have laws, right? Because people, unless you have laws to try to bar people back, they will eventually, everyone will break laws, right? So they, 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 they will do things, I should say, that are wrong. So, so people put laws up because of the nature of men. If men were good, there would have to be no laws, right? But obviously, there's not a single state in the United States, probably not a single place in the world these days, very odd if there is any place that doesn't have laws, right? Why? Because sin and death reigns in the world, right? It doesn't reign in, the, in a Christian's life. That's, we'll talk about that maybe a little bit later if we have time. But, but it definitely reigns in the world, right? Sin reigns in the world. So that means people will do wrong. So, so, so I mean, if you were anything like me, which I'm sure, I mean, we all were basically the same, right? Uh, before I was saved, I actually thought I was a pretty good person. Now, I'm a pretty good guy, right? But why would I think that? Why would I think that I, I, I don't have Jesus in my life, right? I didn't know anything about the Lord, right? But if you were to ask me, like, you are you a bad person? Do you know anyone that doesn't have Jesus that you come up to them and just ask them? Are you a bad person? Yes, I'm a horrible person, right? No, they will say that they are good people. But why do you say you're a good person? Has, did God tell you you're good? No. Who told you that you're good? No one told you that you're good. Maybe your mommy, when you were growing up, said, "Yo, you're such a good boy. But then later on, maybe you got spanked because you weren't such a good boy, right? You're a bad boy, right? So what happened? Your mama, she, she didn't change her mind. What, what happened is that, that y- you were born into this world, into sin. And all that you did was com- we, you compare yourself against other people. And therefore, that's why you say you're good. Because God never told you you're good. God never told me I was good. And my mom and my dad surely never always told me I was good. Many, many times my mom and dad told me I was bad, right? So, and, and they told me that I, what I did was wrong. And they would told me that what I did, that's why they were punishing me, because I did something wrong, right? And they told me that repeatedly. I remember, I remember being in my room. I don't know how little I was, but they would tell me I'd go in my room, and they shut the lights off, and I had to get in my bed. And they didn't have no phones, no TVs, no iPads, nothing. When you went to your room, you were actually, you had nothing to do right and if you turned on the light they knew it so it wasn't like today go to your room and go watch your tv and play on your ipad and see watch youtube videos right no when you went to your room you were like that's it so you're up there and i could hear them like having fun and playing because it's not like they were doing anything different. It's just like when you can't do something, everything sounds more fun. Like they're having so much fun without me. And I'd just be crying, mommy, mommy. I'd be like at the top of my lungs crying because I want them to let me out, right? I want to go downstairs again. But the point is, right, that, that no one apart from Jesus Christ, including Abraham, right, were good. But was it, what Abraham was learning is the reason why death is existing in my life is because of sin. So, so all these examples, right, the, the, the bread and the wine and many other things, I'm sure that the Lord was speaking to him and showing him, and, and the sacrifice that the Lord was showing him, right, We're all teaching him. There is, this is the gospel that I'm teaching you. There is a Messiah that will come, and he will liberate you from sin, and you will live. And if you put your faith in that, you can experience life in your mortal body today. And just like Abraham experienced and was given life to his mortal body. In other words, him and his wife's reproductive system did not work. And then it just started getting all cranked up and then started working again. Where did that come from? It didn't happen just by chance, right? It happened by the justice of God, right? By the justice of God. God did not impute sin. I told you that be- between Adam and Moses, God was not calling people guilty for their sin because they hadn't actually broken a law. In other words, God doesn't hold you accountable for something that he didn't tell you, Right? So, so since there was no law, God was not imputing sin against them, right? But, but, but that, that's just, right? That's correct. For God not to judge you guilty when there is no law is just of God. But it's also just of God that now, after he had given the law, to punish sin, right? It was correct of God to do that. And it's correct of God to punish all that even though they may not be born Jews, but they continue, to, they continue to live by even the law in their own hearts and their own moral code, and they break their own law in their own mind. So it was right for God to begin to punish sin when the law came in, right? But, but he, what he was telling Abram, he was saying, you know what, there is a time that's going to come that, you know what, your people, your physical descendants, you know, those, they, they will be separated from me, and all this stuff is going to happen, right? But the, the, the gospel will come, and those who believe in me will live. Right? They will have everlasting life through the Messiah that I will send. And he believed that. He believed, listen, more, more precisely, and I'll show it to you from Scripture in a second, he believed that there was a God that would justify the ungodly. Listen, there is no salvation for people that don't believe themselves to be ungodly. First John 1.9 says, or 1.8 actually says, that, that, that men have to know that they have sinned. And if men deny that they sin, then there is no salvation for them right because you have to understand that you're a sinner and that you need salvation from sin right so abraham was seeing all this he was he and that's why when he when he began to see the day of christ began to see that there's a messiah that would come he began to understand the gospel and guess what he he understood you know what lord i am ungodly and i need a savior right you you are the one the the word justify is the same word as righteous right It, it it holds the same meaning so God imputed righteousness to Abraham means he justified him, right? He justified Abraham, right? He justified Abram. It says, uh, that was verse number six, right? He believed the Lord and he accounted unto him for righteousness. So so we were all the way, we had read down to verse number 10. Let's skip from here real quick. Um, Let's skip from here. And let's go to... Romans chapter 4, Romans chapter 4 and verse number 1. So, so here he, again, we're in the New Testament. So the New Testament, he's beginning to expound or to explain a lot of what we just even read from Genesis 14 and 15 what we were just talking about, right? And he says, what shall we say then in verse number 1 that Abraham our father? So, so that is important, right? It's not, it's not unimportant to skip over the word father. The Lord just called Abraham your father. And you look at, well, I don't know. I mean, I went, you know, and I did a DNA search, and I didn't see Abraham, right? So why is he my father, right? Why is Abraham considered to be our father? And there's only one reason for that. It's because we have the same faith as Abraham, right? And the Lord makes that clear in Galatians, I believe, chapter 3. But in Galatians, he talks about, right, that we have the same faith as Abraham, So what shall we say then that Abraham, our father, in other words, the one that believes just like we believe about what? About Jesus. But I'll show you that in a second, that it is about Jesus, right? Um, What shall we say then that Abraham, our father, as pertaining to the flesh, has found, in other words, as pertaining to the works, as pertaining to the things, people using their talents for God, people trying to please the Lord with their works, right? We we just read, without faith in Jesus, not faith that tomorrow is going to be bright and sunny, but faith... In Jesus, without faith, it is impossible to please Him. so you, so basically what that means is you can do good works all day long. You can do things that in your mind and in your heart sound like good things to do, and that is not pleasing to the Father. Faith in His Son and his sacrifice is pleasing because that's how He gives you entrance into everything that is yours, right That's how He gives you entrance, that's how you inherit, right The same way Abraham, the surety of Abraham, was Christ, the surety of the church is Christ the surety that those that don't know the lord can have is jesus right without faith in jesus there's nothing there's no surety it's just you and your positive thinking which ain't going to get you anything right you and positive thinking is just like playing dice that's all you just get up and you roll dice hope it's going to go good you get up you roll dice hope it's going to go good we don't have to get up like that, right? We get up and we say, today, Lord, I will prosper. Today, Lord, I will see myself moving ahead in the knowledge of you. Today, because of everything that you've done, right, Lord, I am above the things of this world. I am have been seated with you in heavenly places. I am above. You have placed me above principality, above power, above, above anything in this world. And I shall fear nothing in this world, no man, no power in this world, because I'm seated with you and you live in me, right? So, so... That's a surety, that's someone that can speak boldly That's somebody that knows that I've been forgiven That doesn't even fear a day called judgment, right? A day, The last day because we know that as he is, so are we in this world, right? That's living out that every single day And all that we have is the surety that comes from the knowledge of what Jesus has done for us, right? Apart from that, there's surety in nothing Not Christian or anybody else can have any other surety in anything else other than in that nothing. There was, there was one time, I'll tell you this, uh, one time a friend of mine um, uh, loves the Lord, right, just like I love the Lord, but at the time, you know, he got into like this financial program, right, and, and, and me and, you know, I was a very, very new Christian, and we were living at the time, you know, we had a, a, a house, I think, I think the kids were definitely born at that time, um, and and this, this man was telling me, you know, he was trying to get me into his financial program, which there's nothing wrong with, with managing money appropriately, right? But the problem is that we mix financial management then, right, and don't really have a basis in Christ. So therefore, then, we begin to think that our answer to our financial problems is managing our money or, quote-unquote, being good stewards of our finances. But that, that's not the fix to your prosperity is Jesus, right? It's, it's not that you manage your money good. Anybody can do that apart from Jesus, right? There, there are people that can have lots of money, and they don't even have to manage their money appropriately. They can just invest it wisely, right? And still be poor money managers. So it's not about that. But, but this friend had told me, he, he said, you know what? Because um, he had asked me about, you know, this budget that I was keeping, right? Because I, I basically was just doing something real simple. I said, this is how much money comes in every month, and these are what my bills are. I want to stay under that, right, because if I go over the amount of money, then that's not good, right? It's not real, it's not science here, it's just basic common sense, right? And you know what he told me? What he basically said to me, and I'll just say this is what I understood. Maybe this is not what he was trying to say, but this is what I got from what he was telling me. He, He basically said, you know, oh, yeah, yeah, I don't do that. Kind of like I just live by faith, you know, I just buy whatever I want to buy, and I just trust the Lord, right? Well, that is ignorance, right? That's not wise, because God doesn't even teach that for us to do that, right? But, but that's what he started telling me to do, so that's what I did. So, so even for Christians, there is a huge difference between just supposedly, quote-unquote, believing the Lord. And all that means is, um, I believe, Lord, that you're going to prosper me. But that right there, I believe that the Lord is going to prosper me. That right there means nothing. Doesn't mean anything. Anything. Because God has no reason to prosper you apart from Jesus Christ. And you think, well, do I have to say Jesus Christ? Yes, you do. You don't have to say it out of your mouth, but you better be saying it in your brain. Because if you ain't saying it up here, you live with no surety. None. Because if your surety is, well, God just is very powerful and he's not going to allow me to, you know, the Lord has not seen his children begging for bread. That doesn't mean anything. Our surety is only in Jesus. And if you don't know that what you have is because of him then because Christ is not your surety in that area in your life, I'm sure he is for your salvation. If you ask any Christian today, are you, why are you saved today? They will point to Jesus immediately because they are saved, right? They have knowledge that their salvation has come through Jesus. But many people don't know that their prosperity comes through Jesus. So they preach a prosperity that's absent of the, of the finished work of Jesus Christ. Therefore, it creates in the church and in people, Right, this thing that doesn't work, and what happened? I stopped budgeting, and you know what start, started happening? I started not knowing where my money was going, and it started feeling like I was just spending money, and I was so. In other words, it wasn't getting better; it made things worse, right? Because I wasn't being taught. Your surety for your prosperity is Jesus Christ. And the Lord can give you common sense on stuff and how to do things, right? And how to, how to allow him to be the one to prosper you and not you just looking to your job or looking to X, Y, Z, right? And that's a whole separate thing that we can hear about at a different time. But, but the point is, Christ is our surety. He became Abraham's surety, right? He has to be your surety in every area, whether it's in your finances, whether it's in your health. There is no thing that, oh, Lord, I just believe you're going to make me well. Well, hopefully when you said that, that you believe that you would be made well, is because you understand what you have on the inside of you, which is resurrection life, and you understand why you have that life, which that life was given to you because of what Christ finished on the cross. And it is by his stripes and by his suffering that you're healed, right? And it's not by any other reason that you're healed. So he's given you, listen, we talk so many times in the church about the effects of the cross, And that's awesome. That's fine to talk about the effects of the cross. We're talking about some of the effects of the cross today. We talked about Abraham's body being made well. That's an effect of the cross. But you can't talk about the effect of the cross without talking about the cross, right? Because if you end up talking about the effects of stuff without talking about the cross, you end up teaching people that that's just the way stuff is, that that's just the way it's going to happen by osmosis, right? But, but it is by the knowledge of Christ, right? In other words, we become partakers of everything divine that we have on the inside of us through what? The knowledge of Christ, right? Through the knowledge of Christ is how we get these things. So he says, he says, uh, I guess 4 1 we were still in, right? Yeah. So what shall we say then that Abraham, that what, what did he find as far as him living, right? What did he find according to his works? Verse number two says, if Abraham were justified by works, he would have something to glory, but not before God. In other words, if it was, in other words, what that's saying is, Abraham was not justified by works. That's what that's saying, right? He was not justified by works. So If Abraham were justified by works, he would have something to glory about, but not before God. Verse number 3 says, for what says the scripture, that?" and we just read that scripture in Genesis 15, right? It says, for what says the scripture, Abraham believed God, And it was accounted unto him for righteousness. So hold on a second. Let's put those two verses together. And stay with me because we're wrapping up here, but this is important. It says, if Abraham were justified by works. You heard what that just said? If Abraham was justified by works. What does that even mean to be justified? To be justified means what you're justified from is sin. Right? In other words, you have to be, to be justified means even though you do wrong right? I have justified you. I call you righteous even though you do wrong or or I I justify you because you do everything right. And there has never been anyone that has lived that fits into that second category, right? There's no one that exists that has done everything right that God looks at them and says, you're justified or you're righteous. But it says Abraham was not justified by works. So that means that when he, it's putting that together with verse number three that says, that Abraham believed God. So there was something that Abraham believed that justified him from sin. So it wasn't just that he believed, yes, I'm going to have a son because you said so, but that he was understanding the bread and the wine, that he was understanding the sacrifice that were were rent in two as the body of Christ, right, is our entrance in, right, into heavenly things. So he was getting that. He was understanding that. And this explains it even a little bit more, right? He believed God that God would justify him, and it was accounted unto him for righteousness. Verse number four says, not to him that works is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. So it says, if Abraham, if for a person that does everything right all the time, their justification from sin is a debt that God would have to them. In other words, God gave a command, and if you kept those Ten Commandments perfectly, God would be indebted to you to make you righteous. In other words, for his little gavel, or his big gavel, right, to come down with the gavel and say, you're just, you're righteous, right? Why? Because you did everything right all the time. But it's impossible for men to do that. Therefore, The world became guilty before God, right? So it says, so now to him that works, in other words, that tries to labor for his justification before God to please God so that God will justify him, his reward is not reckoned of grace, in other words, not something that is not earned and not merited and not worked for, but it's of debt. He says, but to him that works not, verse number 5 says, but to him that works not, it doesn't mean for him that is collecting unemployment and doesn't have a job. For That means for him, to him that works not means to him that is not looking to please God by his own works. To him that is not looking to please God in order for God to justify him because of something that he could do. In, in, in order to please God so that God will prosper them. In order to please God with their giving so that God will give them 10,000 from their thousand. In order to please God so that God will make their day go good. In order to please God with their Bible reading so that their work day could go prosperous today, right? People trying to get something from God that is apart from Jesus Christ and is just based on their work. To him that works not, it says, to the person that works not but believes on him, just like Abraham believes on him just like Abraham that justified, listen, that justified the ungodly. So there it, a light bulb should go off in your mind that says, what did Abraham believe? Abraham believed God and it was accounted unto him for righteousness. What did Abraham believe? It's saying we should be those that work not Or don't try to justify themselves just like Abraham, but believes on him just like Abraham did. Abraham believed God that what? That justifies the ungodly. Abraham was looking for justification. Abram at the time, right, was looking to be justified from sin so that he could receive life, right? Life comes from righteousness, right? We'll go into that a different day, right? But the spirit of God in us is life because of righteousness, Scripture says, right? So here he says, but to him that works that, but believes unto him that justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. So now you know two things. You know what his faith was in, in a God that would justify the ungodly. And how did he know that God would justify the ungodly? Because he saw the day of Christ. So he understood Messiah coming, sin gone. Sin gone, then death gone. Right? He got it. Right? He saw it. I rejoiced to see the day of Christ, and he said he saw it, Jesus said, and he was glad. In John uh, chapter 8, I believe, John chapter uh, something, Uh, we'll, we'll get that different time. But right, Jesus said, he said he rejoiced, Abraham rejoiced to see my day, he said, and he saw it, and he was glad. So why did Abraham get glad? Because he said, there is a Messiah that will come that will justify me of my sin, and the Lord is teaching me that if I'm justified of my sin... Right, I, That means that I'm righteous, and if I'm righteous, that means that he is life to me. Now, God had told them, right? He says, he says, I am your shield, but he also told them, I am your exceeding great reward, right? The Lord was telling him, I am your reward. So that's how you can be so bold, right? That when somebody is trying to make you rich, that you could have the boldness And the wisdom, right? The boldness and the wisdom, because this does not mean reject everyone that wants to give something to you, right? But he had the boldness and the wisdom to be able to know, yeah, you know what? I don't need any of your stuff. Just let my men take whatever they, they have taken, right? And that's it, but I don't need any of your stuff because it is God that makes me rich. Where did that boldness, where did that surety come from? Jesus. There is surety. Listen, you have to understand, from the time Adam was created until the day that we're living in today 2023 no one can have any surety in anything in anything in anything apart from jesus can you have surety in what in the stock market that's proven nope can you have surety in bonds in a financial organization in a bank in a country in a government in people in your mom and your dad and your wife and your husband and your children what point to one thing in this world that we can take any surety from at all apart from Jesus Christ. There is nothing, 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 nothing that you can point to and say, I can grab a hold of that and that's, I'm gonna be good. Nothing. Your job? Nope, right? The, the, the inflation? Good prices? What? But I, I get it. We freak out when prices go up. But, but listen, did God, did God the, having the Lord, does He not teach you? Why would you have to fear? I am your shield. I am your exceeding great reward. I'm your shield. I'm your exceeding great reward. Why? Because we have done one right thing that Mary did, that Abraham did, that David did. Let me, let me read this to you, and we're going to end here. Um, talking about, you know, Abraham in verse number 5 He says, Lord, you are the one that will justify me, right? You're the one that will justify me. You are the one that will account me as righteous, right? And and that's just, right? For God to punish our sin in the body of Jesus Christ and then call us just, that's fair, right? Because God didn't just let sin go. That's not fair. To not punish sin is not fair. To not punish lawlessness is not fair, right? Right? To, to and, and that will get you, listen, you can learn stuff just from the way God does things. You can learn principles, right, that should be applied in our nation today. When you break the law, you ought to do the time, right? When you break a law, you ought to do the time. How do I know that? Because that's how God is, right? If you break his law, if you sin, you will die, right? But why don't we die? Because he did, right? He did. Our sin did not go unpunished. Our sin was punished in the body of Jesus, right? So it's just an important thing to understand. But he said, listen listen, listen to just one more figure, which is where I want to close. It's not Abraham anymore. It's David, right? And, and don't get all David, well, David, he did a lot of bad stuff. So did Abraham, and so did you, right? Because people get all over there. Well, David did this. And that. Well, you did too. You did and Abraham did and everybody always has because all have sinned and all have fallen short of the glory of God. We can get away from the mentality that says, well, I don't know, Abraham was not as bad as David. No, he was just like that. Temptation and sin is like to all men. If you don't do it, you think it, right? People, and it's in you. If you haven't thought of it yet, given time apart from Jesus, you will think of it, right? It's just, it's in your nature apart from Jesus Christ, right? Thank God he gave us a divine nature and got us away from that, right? But that's not where we lived. We were not good. And if you thought you were, you were mistaken. In verse number 6, he says, even as David also describes the blessedness. The church says that it's blessed. But listen why we are. Even as David also describes the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputes righteousness without works. Abraham was not the only Old Testament figure. He was one of many. But David, King David, was also another figure that understood what? That God would justify the ungodly apart from their works. David understood that. I don't know at what point in his life he understood that, but he knew that because he said it, right? The blessedness of a man, it says, uh, whom, unto whom God imputes righteousness. But in other words, God justifies you apart from the mistakes you make. In other words, apart from your performance. Saying, blessed are, the, are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. So, so we're going to end right there. But here's why this is so cool. Right? Because what the, what the Lord was saying there through David is that, is that every single bit of blessed, blessedness that we have, we have received because of a righteousness that is a gift. In other words, right? You put faith in the cross... And God accounted that faith that you put in Jesus, right, as righteousness. In other words, you were justified from all sin. 1 John 1.9 says you were cleansed of all unrighteousness. By what? By just one thing. You being cleansed of all unrighteousness means obviously now you're righteous. If you're cleansed of all unrighteousness, that means the only thing that's left now to call you is righteous. But it's not because you did everything right because we never did. It's because he was, became obedient to the cross, and therefore, right, it imputed his righteousness now unto us. So we receive the righteousness that is God's righteousness, a God who does everything right and has always been righteous, right? That's why the one at the right hand is called Jesus the righteous, right? And, and the righteousness that we have received is his. In other words, the, 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 the payment, right, the, 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 the payment or the wage for our faith was that he made us righteous, right? The Lord gave us the gift of righteousness, and we, when we begin to, to understand, Lord, the righteousness that I have it is what gives me entrance that I can access everything of heaven that you've put on the inside of me by your spirit. That righteousness is my entrance into all of that, right? In other words, this grace, in other words, that we stand in, Because we haven't, it's it's not worked for, right? So it's not of debt, it is of grace. Everything we've received from God is not of debt, it is of grace. And this grace that we stand in, right, I think that's Romans chapter 5, right? The grace that we stand in, the the righteousness that we possess is what gives us entrance into that. So we can receive and take and walk in the things that Christ has prepared us to walk in by his death on the cross. We can walk in these things today. And all of that goes back solely to what? To the finished work of Jesus Christ. Our righteousness, right? The standing that we have with God. The justification from all sin. Now remember that law of sin and death that works in the world? Now the law says today, and I'll read that to you and we'll be done right there. It's one little verse. Um, I'll find it for you real quick. I think it's in it's Romans 6 or 7. Romans 8 and verse number 2. Yeah, listen to this. Remember, right, the law of sin and death came in through Adam's sin. But watch what it's like for me and you today. It says, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free. The law of the spirit of life. The law, that thing which is not flexible, right, law. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. So that means... That no matter what death you see or what corruption you see at work in your body, if you see yourself aging in the mirror or you see yourself, you know, whatever. People say, oh, I'm not as spry as I used to be or whatever that is. is the same thing Abraham was seeing in his life, right? But what he learned that reversed that in his life, right, that took something that was dying, gave it life, which all that is is just, right, the life of God in us, right? That is the law that God said we live by today, the law of the spirit of life in Christ. It is not enough to say we live by the law of the spirit of life. No, it's not enough because people don't know that by just naturally speaking. If you tell somebody, oh, there's a law that works in your life, the law of the spirit of life. Then they say, Lord, you know, I know that I'm going to be well, Lord, because of the law of the spirit of life, right? No, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, right? It's important for your mind to always remember that. You have life in you because of righteousness, and that righteousness came to you through Jesus Christ. So when you see that, right? You see, Lord, why is it that I, can, that I can continue to experience life? Why is it, Lord, that I can be made well? Why is it that I can partake of these things? Because of the assurance that I have through Jesus that there is a law that you have enacted in my life that, that is on the inside of me that is the law of the spirit of life. So you know what that is? That the spirit is life unto you because of righteousness. And when you learn that, that law begins to work in your life opposite to the law of sin and death. And you know what? Just because you're a believer, just because you're a believer and just because of the things that you know to this point, even though you don't know everything, the law of the spirit of life is at work in your life, right? You may not know to what extent and be able to measure the extent, but you do know that the life that you're, and the prosperity that you're experiencing and the peace in your mind and all of these things that you're beginning to experience in your life are coming as a result of that law working in your life which has come because of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, my God hallelujah thank you jesus thank you lord thank you my god hallelujah thank you jesus just like david said my god the blessedness of a man the blessedness of a man lord to whom god imputes or accounts righteousness unto them lord thank you my god that you have helped us see and helped us be reminded today lord where our righteousness stems from lord where our righteousness comes from why we have what we have and who our surety is of this covenant that we have, the surety, Lord, of this agreement that we have come into, Lord, with you because of the faith that we have put in Jesus Christ. It is because of that faith that we have entered into this covenant with you, entered into this new covenant with you, a new one that's not like the old one. That's why it's called new. Lord, so we have this new covenant with you and the one that is the mediator of this new covenant, the one that is the reason and the surety for this covenant, for the good of the covenant, Lord, is jesus christ he is the mediator our advocate lord our advocate at your right hand lord thank you jesus thank you jesus for the surety that you are to us thank you jesus for having shared and given to us your righteousness as a gift and as we begin lord to grow lord and to receive the abundance of the grace of god that we are in today In a sea, my God, of things, Lord, of an inheritance, Lord, we are in, submerged today, in a sea of blessedness, Lord. In an inheritance, Lord, that is so much bigger than us. So much bigger than us, Lord. More than we can ask or more than we can even think in our mind. We're swimming, Lord, inundated, Lord, immersed in this grace, Lord. In all this inheritance, Lord, that we have not worked for and that we have not earned. All because of Jesus. And we thank you, Lord, that righteousness, your righteousness that is a gift to us has given us access to all of it, Lord. We have more grace, my Father. We have more of an inheritance than we have problems in our lives. Our problems, Lord, fail in comparison. Fail in comparison, Lord, to the inheritance that we possess, to every good thing that we have in us in Christ. Therefore, Lord, that is not a single solitary thing, of course, not a single solitary thing, that you have not already taken care of, Lord, because you took care of sin. Therefore, Lord, that's why David said, Lord, the man, the blessedness of a man whose sins are forgiven, Lord. You said, Lord, that you would remember our sin no more. We love that, Lord, about how you are, your makeup, Lord, that you do not remember our sin, that you do not remember, you do not recall our sin even though so many people lord so many people daily lord recall their sin to you thinking that if they can recall their sin to you they can be forgiven of that sin but the one that they're missing is the elephant in the room they're missing jesus christ and him crucified they're recalling a sin to a god that said that in this new covenant he would not remember your sin anymore thank you jesus for a righteousness that is ours that is perpetual that never ends and the life that we can receive, Lord, today in our physical bodies, Lord, in, in, in every single area of our lives, life. Not just to a reproductive system, Lord, but to a respiratory system. Not just to a respiratory system, Lord, but to our organs, to our heart, to our liver, Lord, to, to the muscles, Lord, in our body. Life, Lord, just like Abraham did and for the same reasons that Abraham did. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, my God. We love you, and we praise you, my God. Thank you, Lord, for all you've done in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this message from Reform Church. If you have, please share this with someone else and help us get this unpopular message to the world. If you'd like to support Reform Church, you can do so at reforminus.com give. Also on our website, you can take advantage of our free messages, articles, and even full discipleship courses. Start reforming your mind now at reforminus.com.